When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Haiti is back in the news, and so we turn to Amy Willens. Of course, she's written a lot about Haiti, especially her award-winning book, Farewell, Fred Voodoo. She also writes about the Middle East, California, and the Trump family, which she covers for this podcast. She's a longtime contributing editor at The Nation and the former Jerusalem bureau chief for The New Yorker magazine. She's a 2020 Guggenheim Fellow, and she teaches in the Literary Journalism Program at UC Irvine Amy, welcome back. Thanks, John. Well, Haiti has always been important to the left around the world because Haiti had the first slave revolution in modern history and the only successful slave revolution in modern history. That's what we say about Haiti. What does Donald Trump say about Haiti? He's given it one of what I consider his prizes. He calls it a shithole country. And there's one more thing we have to review about the history of Haiti, the indemnity. Haiti was a colony of France's, and it was really, I mean, if you look at it through a modern lens, it was like a modern extermination camp with a work camp part to that. So that there were slaves on the plantations, uh, but it was not considered to be by the French generational. So they just got new shiploads of slaves when the old slaves died. It wasn't cultivated, you know, friendly slave ownership. It was the worst kind of brutality. And the slaves rose up. In 1791, the uprising began, and they won their war against Napoleon's army with a little help from yellow fever, but they won a a major war under the guidance of Toussaint Louverture. And let me just add, in the name of the French Revolution. In the name of the French Revolution and for a few moments here and there with the backing of the French Revolution. Uh, But then Napoleon came to power and decided he shouldn't lose this most valuable of the colonies, but he did. So then um, given the world situation at the time and the global economy, which much of which was uh, based on slavery, the world was freaked out. France was freaked out, which had other 
uh, slave colonies in the Caribbean. And the French who lost demanded from the Haitians an indemnity or reparations uh, for the war. It was a very weird situation because usually the victor demands payment from the loser, but here the loser was demanding payment from the victor. And one of the many things the French were demanding this indemnity for was not only the lands and the plantations that were taken over by their former enslaved persons, but the enslaved persons themselves. So essentially the French were asking the Haitians to pay what today is billions of dollars in reparations for having stolen themselves, their bodily selves from the French. It's one of the great ironies of history. And um, the, the Haitians paid it back. <laughs> How long did it take the Haitians to pay the indemnity? I think it took till 1948. So that's why we care about Haiti. Uh, which takes us to last Sunday when people in Port-au-Prince filled the streets, you write at thenation.com. What do you mean by filled? I hate to use the word literally because it's used so poorly most of the time and just means very, but they literally <laughs> filled the streets. And people think of Haiti as having, a, as of Port-au-Prince, the capital, as having like little winding alleys of poverty. But no, it has broad boulevards created by the French and then the American occupation. And they came out en masse, filled the streets for, I think, two and a half miles, the parade went of totally blocked streets filled with people. It was a, a demonstration unlike any I've seen in Haiti since the demonstrations that led, in part, to the after of the Duvalier dynasty in 1986. The president of Haiti is Jovenel Moise. Tell us about him. He is a former uh, banana trader, which which sounds so uh, dismissive, but, you know, he had a banana farm in the north and he was involved in import-export. He was tapped by Michel Martelly, his predecessor, to run for president after Martelly in a kind of relay of the presidency because the Constitution will not permit two consecutive terms in office out of fear of the development of a cult of personality around the president like Papa Doc Duvalier had. So what is really going on right now with these demonstrations? What's really going on is a battle over who runs Haiti and, um, and a protest against Moise's tactics. Moise, with Martelli always in the background, has effectively closed down the legislature, the legislative body of Haiti, by just not calling for elections for the legislature. So slowly, there there are 11 legislators left in Haiti. That's like if a, there were only 11 congressmen and senators left in the United States. It's pathetic, and they can't vote, and they can't meet. And he's been ruling by decree since January of last year. So Moise has effectively been the dictator's Beyond that, he's presiding over the destruction of Haitian society. The streets are overrun with uh, gangs that uh, rob people at will, commit massacres, and continue to kidnap. Right in the middle of this huge demonstration, a beloved pediatrician was kidnapped and then killed because he resisted, and his wife was taken away. It, while this whole demonstration was happening on a street where it wasn't happening, that happened. So uh, he's presiding over chaos. And then he realized that 
his his behaviors had made his regime shaky. And so like a cornered animal, he turned on his rivals and accused them of organizing a coup d'etat against him. And he arrested 23 members of the rather upright, quite decent opposition, uh, accusing them of leading a coup. They can't lead a coup unless they have a force of violence behind them. He controls all the forces of violence. So they were not leading any coup. And he threw them all in prison, which in Haiti is not a pretty thing. And he shut down the Supreme Court and he arrested three judges in the, on the Supreme Court, one of whom is supposed to be the interim president after he leaves. So he's effectively shut down the judiciary, he shut down the, uh, the legislative branch of the government and the executive rules alone. We can think of someone else who would have liked to have done that and still would like to do that, except he's living in Florida instead of Washington. So behind all this is the, the aftermath of the earthquake of 2010, that was more than a decade ago now, but post-earthquake politics are still at the center of what you call at the nation.com the depraved dance of international aid. Tell us about the depraved dance. So one reason we say that it's still the result of the earthquake, still an aftershock of the earthquake, is that Martelly was the president elected in the wake of the earthquake in 2011. And uh, the depraved dance I'm talking about is Haitian corruption, which is also always seen as like the corruption of Haitian people and they can't govern themselves. And if you give them money, they just distribute it among themselves. But this, is, this has been true of certain uh, regimes in Haiti, of course. And it's, you can't be corrupt with money unless there's money to be corrupt with. And the money that was coming in after the earthquake was coming in from the international community. But so as I see it, what was happening was the international community was doing business, as they always do, with Haitians whom they know. And those are Haitians in business, who speak English, who are familiar to the international community. So they keep dealing with these people. And these people, many of them, are very corrupt. And they push that money toward their friends, and they push that money toward their projects. But the people on whose backs the money is funded, in other words, the people whose misery is the excuse for all these funds post-earthquake and before are the people exactly who are not getting the money or not benefiting from the money. When Martelly was elected, it was a very suspect, controversial election with very low turnout. He seemed to have lost the first round. Then the OAS inspected it and said, no, he can still be in the second round of voting. And then when the second round of voting came around, the OAS inspected the election again and said, oh, he won the election. And then he was president. And then when Moise was elected, same, same. So there's a feeling among the Haitians that the international community is against them as a people. They can't believe the international community is still supporting this guy in whose government there were people who gave guns to gangs for a massacre in a market, a real massacre, men, women, and children. I think more than 70 people were killed. And this was documented and still the US supports him. Okay, this was not so surprising under Trump, but Biden has not seemed to have any more courage than Trump on this. And you know, I think the closer the human rights violators get to Miami, <laughs> the less likely an American president is going to complain about them because he doesn't know what will come next. That's Biden's problem. Where are the Haitians who are more responsible, more politically astute, more law-abiding than Moise? 
if you're looking for people who have kind of savvy and, you know, can be interlocutors with the international community, my guess is they're all hanging out the window, like waving, saying, we're ready. They are ready. 23 of them are in prison. That's one place they are where Moe has put them recently. The coup, the supposed coup. Um, but there are many more people. And, and the U.S. Embassy knows who they are. And the United States government knows who they are. The problem is always it's it's always a risk. You want the Americans and the international community to intercede at this moment because if they don't, Moise will stay because the, he doesn't care about what the Haitian people think. It was an entirely peaceful, gigantic demonstration. And I don't know that entirely peaceful can move Jovenel Moise, but uh, violence I don't think will work either because then the international community has a, an excuse to stick with Moise. And Moise very sagely did not attack this particular demonstration, whether under advisement from the US embassy or not, I don't know. But people are waiting in the wings to help out and they don't have to be president. They can be part of a commission, an electoral governing commission to just schedule the next elections for president. There is a very reasonable argument that his term has already come to an end and he should be out. The US could opt against him. Instead, it has for the moment stuck with him. Amy Willens wrote about the protests in Haiti for thenation.com. Amy, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks a lot, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.